Welcome to the KLE Podcast with your host, Sean Smith. Encouraging and equipping leaders with a kingdom mindset to inspire, to influence, and to impact your culture where you are every single day. And now for today's episode. Hey, good day. Welcome to the KLE Podcast with your host, Sean Smith. Great to be with you again. I'm really trusting that we'll be able to reach more and more people with the podcast and with the Kingdom Leadership Equipping Group, building a community and uh, beginning to inspire a movement of thinking and action when it comes to how we lead in whatever facet we find ourselves in. And specifically for you that are in leadership, I'm trying to really pass on some points and principles that are going to help you to shift some of the things that you may need to shift in your life. Small adjustments are what it's about. I'm not sitting as some guru. I'm just giving you some insights, something to inspire your thinking that helps you to maybe make adjustments in areas that you are aware of but haven't done anything about, or maybe you're not aware of, and it can help you to make adjustments. I know when I was pastoring full-time, it really was something that I constantly was hungry and desirous for was somebody to help me shape my leadership. But most of the time, all I did was get teaching I, you know, and people's opinions about things, and but nobody really was focused on helping me to shift some things that I needed shifting. And I really, really wanted to. The one person that I thought would help me actually went went about destroying me. (laughs) So that did prove to be not such good leadership, if I may say it that way. All right. So we're talking still about the kingdom culture of developing leaders. Because leadership is about developing leaders, and it's not just about us being developed, but how we develop others. And let me say, leaders are always in a develop, development process, always. Mark chapter 3.14 says this and he, from the Amplified Version, and he appointed 12 disciples so that, so that they would be with him for instruction. The be with him is much more than just sitting in a classroom getting teaching. It was a mentoring relationship. It was a deep relationship with deep fellowship, shaping of character, imparting of values, as we've looked at before. And it goes on to say, and so that he could send them out to preach, that was would be for a reason, and I'll share that with you now, the gospel as apostle, as apostles. So the gospel as the gospel of the kingdom, that is, as his special messengers, personally chosen representatives i love that they they were personally chosen representatives he would he would invest the kingdom so deeply in them that they would be able to represent him when we're talking about kingdom culture of developing leaders there's a number of things that we can see jesus did that i want to point out and i put out i put this in a post yesterday in the kingdom leadership equipping group Facebook group, but I thought I'd share it here as well because I think it's very relevant. I may have to break it into two parts and share um, one part now and one part tomorrow. But really, what is required to build a powerful team? When you are in ministry, 
when you are in business, when you are whatever you're doing, if you're going to do something, if you're going to make an impact, if you want to bring a purpose, bring a mission to the world, if you want to start a movement, if you want to have an impact, you cannot do it alone. Somebody said this is that individually we are a drop, together we are an ocean. So Jesus knew that. He knew he needed a team, not only for what he was doing when he was on the earth, but for when he left the earth. You see, Jesus came with a strategy and he already had an exit strategy when he was here. So let's see what he did to develop his team. What is required to build and develop a powerful team? One, Jesus recruited the right people from the start. He chose 12. He chose 12 to be with him, it says. So he chose 12 that he could that he could fashion, that he could develop, that he could develop their potential, that he could invest into them a whole new mindset. And they were prepared for that. He 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 never ever tried to make mindless psychophants. He, he didn't want robots, he didn't want clones. He wanted personal representatives that could represent him and his kingdom, the kingdom of God. They weren't perfect, but they weren't religious either. Isn't it interesting? He never went to the religious leaders. He never went to the leaders of the day. He never even went to community leaders. He went to normal people. He went to just the average person that was running a business that was a scam artist as a tax collector or political activists. He went to a bunch of insignificant people that on the on the uh, horizon of the religious order of the day weren't significant at all. They were sort of under the radar kind of people, but yet Jesus saw something in them that would that would be able to carry the mission, the assignment of the kingdom to the world. And that is powerful. So he recruited the right people right from the start. Even Judas Iscariot was the right person, but Judas Iscariot, because he was a political activist, began to see a political advantage in in, uh, the whole process. And the Bible tells us about it, and I'm sure Jesus, you know, it was prophesied Jesus knew about it. Secondly, he continually pressed upon them the mission and the vision of the kingdom that was present and to come. So he, he pressed upon them the mission the assignment of the kingdom of God, what it, what the establishing kingdom of God was about, what the vision was. He set it before them. He pressed that upon them so that they always would have that in their heart and they ha- would have ownership of that vision and mission of the kingdom of God. Thirdly, he laid out clearly what their roles would be. Well, we know that the commission he gave to them was to make disciples of all cultures, which which they carried out simply because they saw him doing it. Because he did it with them, they carried out the same method, the same process of development of people. And discipleship is this mentoring kind of uh, impartation into people's lives. A mentor has to have a heart of the Father. It's interesting, Jesus never called himself Father. To them, and he, he just he said, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." In other words, he he represented the culture of the Father to them, but he he never called them sons; he called them friends. Isn't that interesting? 
But he lays out their roles to them. And he says, this is what you're going to do. This is who you're going to be. This is your, this, this is your assignment going forward. Number four, he shared the values and beliefs of the kingdom and lived those, those values and beliefs with them before his team. A team always finds common values and common beliefs because that's what holds the team together. He would emphasize things like you've got to wash each other's feet, not the feet washing, but that you serve one another, that none of you are to be greater than the other. There's no posturing here, when they, even when they were arguing about it. He said, you're not to be like the religious leaders who do that. He said, you are here as brothers. There's no superiority and there's no inferiority here. Here you are a team. You work together. You carry the same values. You carry the same beliefs. You, say, you carry the same convictions. You're all different but you, individually, but you have one commonality, and that will be the spirit of truth. They will guide you into all truth and show you things to come. Number five, he shared and showed what the path would be to see the kingdom established and its accompanying impact. He gave them the strategy. He began to lay out the principles. He gave them the keys of what it would take to establish the kingdom of God, what it looks like, how you experience it. He, he shared those things in depth with them. So that they would know when he left, when he exited from the scene, they would be able to carry it out and implement those, those um, principles, that strategy, over and over again without really thinking about it. It would be part of their DNA because it was part of their culture. So that's part one that I wanted to share with you on the kingdom culture of developing a team. Actually, this is part two because yesterday was part one. So this is part two, but this is about what is required to build a powerful team. Until tomorrow, this is Sean saying over and out.